0: Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. You guys doing good? good? All right. It's good to see you. It's, it's the new year, huh? How many people were here last week? <laughs> so you got perfect attendance. How many people weren't here last week? No, Okay. No, <laughs> you didn't have to raise your hand. But, uh, yeah, you, you're, I'm going to send you to the principal's office. So let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that it's beautiful. thank you for your presence here. Yeah, right now, we, we pray that your healing presence would be here, that this, uh, this place will be a, a sick-free zone, uh, that we can avoid uh, all kinds of things that will slow us down in life. I pray that this message, that your word will just rejuvenate us and get us going, keep us focused on what, what the prize is, what our dream is. Bless this day. Amen. Amen. All right, well, today we're, uh, we're in a series called The Best is Yet to Come. Uh, which, is, it, which is kind of like a vision type of a statement, right? Uh, you know, this year is going to be the best year you've ever had. The best is yet to come. And then there's a tagline on your bulletin that says, yeah, get there, all right? So the, the best is yet to come, the idea that this message, this, this vision, this the, the success, let's just be honest with ourselves, we all want to experience some level of success in our life. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, well, I actually, I just want to be a loser. You know? Actually, okay, there was that shirt that was going around, right? A few years back, loser, remember? That was, yeah. Um, but, I don't know, maybe you know, the youth kind of, I don't know, they want to be losers, whatever. But um, usually when you graduate high school, you don't want to be a loser, you just... You know, successful. You want to be successful, and if I guarantee, if I interviewed anybody in here, you know, what do you want to, what do you want your life to be? You know, you're going to give me some dreams that you have for your life, or some ideas, or what you're excited about. But bottom line is, you want to see some success in in your life, and you see God's given us a dream, and God wants to see you successful too. Uh, Joshua one chapter eight, uh, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. And then here's here's the important part. Then you will be prosperous and successful. See God wants you to be successful too. And this is actually this is actually a powerful promise God gives us. You do these things. Do do this. You meditate on this. Read the book. You'll be successful. You'll prosper. Now, the, the problem that we have is that our idea, or I shouldn't say our idea, but the world's idea of success and God's idea of success are, are two different things. They look alike, but they're, 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 they're different. But we, all, we actually approach our spiritual life and our spiritual walk that God's going to make us successful, and that means that I have lots of money and that I have influence with people, and I have the right clothes. I mean, this is how the world defines success. You got the right clothes. Clothes define the person, and you, you know you you can you you impress people with the things that you have. You impress people that you don't like with the things that you have, and this is how we define success. And that the goal is to die with toys. But that's, again, the world's view of success. God's view of success is eternal. Ours is temporal. God's is eternal. So his vision for you is far beyond anything that you could possibly imagine for yourself. His view of success, his dream for you is eternal. It it, it begins here. It begins here. But it, it, it goes on forever. Okay? So let's talk about it. Look, this is... We're, we're going to be talking about some very practical things, some steps for the successful Christian life. And I have, I've been around, I, mean, I sound like pastor, but I've been around long enough, I've experienced enough life to see people that have had dreams, like God's called them to something, and it didn't, didn't happen, like, and they're frustrated, or they give up. or it's just, like, There was no success in that thing that God had, had revealed to them. There, there was no success in, in, in what they hoped for, and their, their dreams were shattered. Okay? So this is what we're going to be talking about, because I've seen people lose heart. I've seen people fail, and they didn't have to. They, they didn't have to. There's lots of different reasons why self-sabotage or lack of discipline or all these different areas. There's, there's reasons why, but it didn't have to be. It didn't have to be. So we're going to look at some specific things. But our life, that's the title of the message, our life needs to be one that's based on a dream. And for all you dreamers out there, that sounds like a really great idea. Yeah, I want to base my life on a dream. But it's biblical, and we're going to take a look at it. So um, it, we're going to look at five things, and then probably some of these other points will be messages uh, in the next couple of weeks. But um, there's five things that we we um, a life based on a dream. A life based on a dream it requires discipline. Ooh, I don't, I don't, I don't I'm out. I'm checking out, Josh. I don't want to do the discipline thing. But a life based on a dream requires discipline. So for all you dreamers, you just checked out. Okay. Um, a life based on a dream, it has a servant's heart. Life based on a dream remembers who owns the dream. Life based on a dream always remembers to forgive. And a life based on a dream always finishes the job. Always finishes the job. Um, the in Genesis chapter 39, you don't have to you can turn there. I'm not going to read it because it's just it's going to take too long. But the story of Joseph, he's, one of the, he's the great dreamer, one of the great dreamers. There's, there's a couple of them. Uh, we're going to talk about Abraham's dream today. We're going to talk about Joseph's dream today. And if I get sidetracked, we'll probably talk about Daniel's dream today. But Joseph, I mean, you guys all know the story of Joseph and his brothers and the technicolored you know, dream coat, right? Did you, you see that play? Some of you did. Um, but you, you know the story of Joseph. He was the spoiled little daddy's boy. And he, you know, he, he got, God gives him a dream. Okay? This is an interesting point. It has it's nothing to do with the message, but God gives him a dream. His dream, basically, to summarize it is that your brothers your brothers are gonna bow down and worship you, and actually mom and dad are gonna bow down and worship you too. Okay. And what's he do? He tells everybody. I don't know, so maybe some times you should keep the dream to yourself. I don't know. Because it didn't go well for him, right? Everybody got mad at him. His brothers get mad at him. Mom and dad gets mad at him. They think, "Why this guy is just way too arrogant. And the brothers beat him up, throw him in a hole. They want to kill him. Reuben says, let's not have blood on our hands. Let's not kill him. Let's sell him off uh, to slavery. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. And then he gets shipped off to Egypt. And uh, you you know the story from here. He just... He has this encounter in Egypt. And um, his dream caused pain. His, his dream that he vocalized led, led him into a life of difficulty, of confusion, of frustration, of pain, fear. Was this God's will? I don't know. But the point is, the point that, that I really want to highlight is how he responded to his environment. Okay, spoiled, spoiled rich kid, daddy's boy, and he gets put into a hostile environment. Um, sold into slavery, finds favor. The Bible says that he has got favor with God. So he's, he's in an official's house. He's in Potiphar's house. And he's, he's, his skills, his abilities... Are are evident, and and Potiphar is tapping into these things. Let's let's the young guy run his house. Everything, gives him the you know here's my checkbook. You just buy whatever you need. I want my house to look nice, and you're gonna decorate it, and you're gonna do all this stuff. And you just I'm gonna take off for a while. You're in charge. You're in charge. Okay, I do want to read one point. All right, uh, Genesis thirty nine. chapter 6. 39, chapter 6. Uh, sh- uh, chapter 39, verse 6. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now, Joseph was well built. Okay, the only reason why I want to read this is because it's it's kind of racy. Get, wake you guys up. That's the only reason why I'm reading it. <laughs> All right. Um, now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. Ooh, this is in the Bible? This is like a Harlequin romance novel, right? Okay. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, uh, he has entrusted to, to my care. No one is greater in the house than I. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though he sp- and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties. And none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by the cloak. Come to bed with me. This is so steamy, huh? Okay. But he, he, left the, he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. So what's Joseph's character? Okay, he's a kid with a dream. What's he do? He is he's practicing discipline. Huge amounts of discipline to deny himself pleasure, to postpone pleasure, to, I mean, it's, this is a character trait. He's, you know, for, for a spoiled kid to say, look, this is not right. I am going to practice self-discipline. I'm going to deny myself my fleshly desires. And actually the, the whole Bible is ful- filled with, with this talk from Proverbs. Uh, Paul hits it continually. You know, it, Discipline. God disciplines those he loves. The foolish man scorns discipline in his life. Consistency, that, that this, this idea that, that, that we live a disciplined life, that self-controlled person, well, that's the one who sees the end of the dream. And Joseph, he models it here. He's like, I, I can't do this. I, I, I'm out of here. It goes poorly for him. So his cushy job of running the house, he gets thrown into jail. And he's just he's suffering in an Egyptian jail. An ancient jail. Any jail, any prison in the ancient world was horror, pure horror. You're better off dead than living in one of those things. God again has favor on him. He 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 serves. Okay, you see Joseph serving. That's the second point. Uh, the, to to manage the dream, to take care of the dream, to 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 for your life to live the dream, uh, in the Christian faith, is that you have to become a servant. You have to serve. You have to give. And you know, it's it, it's beyond. You know, when I say you need to serve. It's beyond the teaching Sunday school or being a door greeter or, you know, helping out around the church. That's, that's, that's important. That's key. But serving, this the spirit of serving, the, the heart of, of servanthood, it, it, it has to go beyond church. It needs to go forth into your environment. See, God's given, not only has God given you a dream that he wants to partner with you, not only has he given you a dream, but he's given you gifts and abilities and he's blessed you. you. You've got to see that. I mean, if you're sitting in here today and if God has never blessed you, I, I, I want to encourage you to take inventory of your life. I guarantee you somewhere along your, the span of your life, God has intervened and he's come through and he's blessed you and you, you've got it. You've got that, and it's a part of who you are. It's a part of your history. That blessing, it's you're not to hoard it. You're not to keep it. You're not to say, this is mine. You've got to share it. You've got to give it away. You have to express it to someone else. You You were served. Jesus served you, or somebody served you. Jesus used somebody to serve you. God use an individual to bless you, and you have to you have to carry it forward. You have to in turn bless someone else. What does that look like practically? I mean, it could be a million different things. Maybe you're just good with money. Maybe you just you organize stuff well, and you just you just God's graced you in that. It's illegal for you to hoard that. It's illegal for you not to share your information in the Christian faith maybe god has encouraged you in uh, i don't know in areas of uh hospitality where you're just really good at taking care of people you know how you know how to make people feel special and you're only going to make the people that you like feel special you know you're not going to that person at work that you don't like you're not going to use your gift of hospitality to encourage them you see so giving and serving it goes it goes far beyond just you know serving the church it's a lifestyle that that we have to take care of joseph he could have easily said this dream gift that i've got i'm not going to share it and i'm especially not going to share it to my captors because what happens the Pharaoh, is, is he's confused, he's tormented by these dreams, he doesn't know what they mean, and Joseph gets called upon. Joseph serves his captor. He serves his captor, he shares the dream. He says, this is what your dream means. This is it. They both mean the same thing. This is what it means. So he shares it, he serves him. And then, you know, of course... Joseph, uh, he, again, raises his rank to what is, the, basically, he becomes Pharaoh's right-hand man through the, 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 you know, the ability to interpret these dreams and the ability to administrate and the gifts that starts to be expressed. He becomes Pharaoh's right-hand man. He becomes, I mean, basically close to Pharaoh himself. He's not only, is he, before he was running somebody's house, He's running some rich guy's house. Now he's running the entire country. Running the entire country because he served. He served his enemy of all people. All right. All right. So life based on a dream it requires discipline. You, know, you got to do these right things. I, I want to come back to this again real quick. Um when I say, also, when I say discipline, it also, it's not just, you have to straighten up because you're bad and I'm going to discipline you. It's not like disciplining your child. It is disciplining your child. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is um, spiritual disciplines. What are spiritual disciplines? In order for us, for, in order for God to, to truly partner with us, for his dreams to become our dreams... We have, to, we have to live a life of spiritual disciplines. What are spiritual disciplines? You're actually doing one right now. Attending the gathering is, is a spiritual discipline. Coming to church on a regular basis is a spiritual discipline. The, your, your daily devotional that you do every day, hopefully you're doing it every day. We've got it. I sent out an email on what we're doing as a church this year. It's Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. And uh, I'm going to encourage you to do that. You can get it online. You can buy the book. It's kind of all, you can get an app for it if you have an iPad. But um, um, the daily devotional is a spiritual discipline. Our prayer life is a, is a spiritual discipline. Um, fasting is a spiritual give, uh, discipline. When we talked about giving, that's also a spiritual discipline. And, and on, on Wednesday night, we are, we're doing something, we always change it up. But uh, Wednesday night, the spiritual discipline is discipleship. It is, it is engaging the mind, engaging the Christian mind. And and this is so key and this is so important. Why is it key? Why is it important to engage the mind, to actually know what the Bible is saying, to to, to really dig into it and to splice it apart? It's important to know the word of God because Sometimes you need to be reminded who you're singing to when you come to the gathering. Sometimes you need to be reminded of what, who it is that we're praying to. What's his nature? Do I really understand God's nature? And you have to use your mind to do that. You have to, you have to wrestle through reason to do that sometimes. This is a spiritual discipline. How many people are our C.S. Lewis fans? C.S. Lewis fan? Okay, a few of you. How many people know? Don't know who? C.S. Lewis, never mind. No, no, no. Raise your hand. Okay, C.S. Lewis. He, he did those those great movies. He's, he's long dead now. But the Chronicles of Narnia. He did all those. The, he wrote all those children's books. But he was he wasn't just that. He was the greatest thinker of the time. He uh, he was a professor at Oxford. He um, he taught literature and mythology. He. Was so influential in the community that the BBC gave him his own radio show to talk about the Christian faith. This man was huge. It went far beyond just writing children's books. He wrote incredible books, The Problem of Pain, Till We Have Faces. He's um, it's, it's amazing, amazing thinker. Now, I would die. I would give my left arm to hear him speak. to see him in a, in a live setting. I would just, my gosh, that would be huge. And, you know, I've listened to people like him or great thinkers like him who love Jesus. And it's the it's strangest thing when you, when you listen to somebody that has a strong mental capacity that loves Jesus. It's actually a very powerful thing. Um, one of the great thinkers of our time, one of the great Christian thinkers of our time, is, is Dallas Willard. And he's written a ton of books. Uh, we've done a couple of studies on him here. He's, uh, we, the Divine Conspiracy is one, and uh, well, that's just, uh, th- there's a ton of them. But he is a professor at UCLA who's in love with Jesus. Uh, go figure. He, some of his thoughts and some of the things that he communicates has affected our church, has actually led our church. And you don't, some people don't even know who he is, but it's changed your life. And I've heard, him, I've heard him speak publicly a couple of times, and I've read a book or two, and it's like when you listen to him, you, you can resonate with what he's saying. You might not understand what he's saying because it's going, but you're just like, oh my gosh, if I could just understand it. That's the beauty of the gospel message It's that the simplest person in the world could understand the gospel message, but it goes deeper up and deeper in and it's just, there's, it can become so rich. Now, One of the purposes for the Wednesday night, it's not kumbaya, so we're not doing worship songs. And trust me, I'm a big kumbaya guy. I like to, I just like it, okay? But there's no worship. There's no uh, prayer, personal counseling time. It's just getting into the word. Why? It's because we want you to think about your faith. We want you to reason about your faith. And Dallas Willard is going to be speaking at the Claremont Colleges next month, which is, I don't know if they know who he is, but I am, and it's, it's going to be on a Wednesday night. It's going to be at 7 o'clock, and so we're going to do a field trip when he shows up that night, and our, our goal is to at least get you thinking in a logical, reasonable place where you can understand some of the words that are coming out of his mouth. It, I don't know. It might not happen, but you'll, be, you'll at least be able to resonate with the truth of the gospel, of the, the message of the kingdom. So anyway, a little plug there. Off track. All right. Number three, life based on a dream. It's important that the dreamer always remembers who owns the dream. Who owns the dream? Whose dream is this anyway? Well, it ought to be God's dream. It ought to be God's dream. He calls us into partnership with Him. He wants to He wants to say, I got this dream, I got this vision for your life. What do you say? You wanna you wanna you wanna get on board with, for the best thing that I could possibly think of for your life? All right, but we don't do that. We we've got our own dreams, we've got our own ideas. But your dreams stink. His dreams are good. His dreams are good. And see, God wants to. It's not that God just says, all right, I got a dream for your life, and you need to get your act together, and you need to follow my instructions and just do it. Okay, there is, yes, there is a part of that. But you got to. One of the key truths about the goodness of our God is that we are created in His image. God is a creative God, He creates. He creates. Matter out of nothing. He creates with his words. We we do the same thing. We 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 create a lot of things. Sometimes we create giant messes in our lives, but we are created in His image. We can create something out of nothing. We can make babies. Um, angels can't make babies. We can. Let's think about that for a second. We, we have a... Okay, maybe don't think about that. Um, so, all right. The junior high section over here, which is my wife. So, all right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we have the ability to create. Um, the enemy of God can't create a thing. Do you know that? Do you know the devil can't create the way that we can? We can create something out of nothing. The, the devil, the enemy of God, the only thing that he can do is take God's dream for your life and twist it and distort it and lie to you and make something horrible out of it. That's what he likes to do. But he's never created anything. He's never had an original thought of his own. He's never made something out of nothing. He has just twisted everything that God has made, including us, including us. And so, when when God speaks and breathes a dream into our, into our heart, it's not just you got to do what I tell you to do. It's like let's let's work on this together. And I, and you're you're creative. God's going to he's going to go with some of the things that you come up with. Not all of them. This is, a, this is an interesting theological thought. You might, be able to, you might disagree with me, but at least you're thinking. Okay? At least you're thinking. You can disagree with me on this. But God's going to let you create stuff in your own life. And he's going to say, yep, yeah, that's my will. You can make something out of nothing that is good, and God can say, yep, that's my will. And this is a huge can of theological worms, but uh, maybe we can talk about that on Wednesday. But the point is, I mean, God says to Adam, he says, um, made all these animals. It's your purpose, it's your job to name them. And uh, I'm curious as to what you're going to come up with. That's how it's worded in Genesis. What are you going to name them? Not saying, I'm going to predestine what you name them, Oh, this guy just opened up the bigger can, didn't I? Um, what are you going to come up with? What's your creative process in this, Adam? What? This is my dream. This is my this is my vision for creation. What are you going to add to it? That's how, I, I believe that's what God wants for us. I believe that's not what God wants for us. We're created in His image. We we are we are made to design. We are made to create. It's it's crucial. Um, uh, uh, turn with me to Zephaniah. If I can find it. Zephaniah chapter one. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Second service is is better than first service. <laughs> because well, this is this is actually the most exciting verse that I came across when I was preparing for this message. And first service didn't get to get it because I ran out of time. But um, I know. uh, uh yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. chapter 1, verse 17. Proclaim further. This is what the Lord Almighty says. My towns will again overflow with prosperity. Isn't that cool? Some of us have been ravished, but God's will is that he's, that he's going to Bring it all back with prosperity. And the Lord, again, will comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. Then I looked up, and there before me were four horns. Horns, horns, horns symbolize power. So whenever you see the, the you know, horn in the Bible, that, that's symbolic of, of a power of some sort. And I asked the angel who was speaking to me, what are these he answered me, These are the horns that scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. And the Lord the Lord showed me four craftsmen. Let me stop there real quick. Um, the four horns that scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Uh, it, what we're kind of assuming here, it's a prophetic book, is that it, they're, they're talking about Babylon, talking about Assyria, and they're talking about Greece, and talking about Rome. So... If, some interpretations of this is it's a prophetic look at the four major empires that scattered Israel, okay? And then there's also reference to Revelation that it represents the four horsemen. But uh, again, that's another day. But again, concept, four powers that have, that have come in and ravaged God's people. They, they scattered them. They humiliated them. They took away their dream. They took away their purpose. We have... It, you, believe it or not, there are powers that are working against you in your life. They want to do the same. They're out to kill you, destroy you, to scatter you, to stretch you thin. Now, this is really cool. Again, this is, hopefully I can get this across. Verse 20 again. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. I asked what are these coming to do? He answered, These are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could rise his head. But the craftsmen have come to terrify them and to throw down these horns of the nations who lifted up their horns against the land of Judah and to scatter its people. Okay, this why, is, why am I so excited about this? Because... These, the four empires, the big boy, the uh, history's biggest, baddest empires that ravaged God's people are terrified by craftsmen. By craftsmen. The first person that was filled with the Holy Spirit was a craftsman who, who made the implements in the temple or the, the tabernacle, excuse me. You see... The Christian mind is important because we have to be able to give a defense for our faith. We have to be able to, to 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 argue or to reason or to discuss or to say, "No, this isn't right. You're wrong. I'm right." Okay, we have to be able to go there at some level. But you, but that's just, that's just part of it. You, you, you're responsible to give them something beautiful in return, because God has created us to be. a we're craftsmen. What, what, what will destroy? What will terrify the enemy of God? It's the craftsmen. It's the creator. It's not the warrior. See you notes know here. In Joshua and, and Judah, who, who, who goes first? I mean, it's crazy. God, God sends musicians into battle first—the creative ones—and so. When you, when you come up against this world or this, this present evil age or, or the principalities and whatever whatever you want to call them, when you, when, you come over to the, when you come against the things that want to destroy the dream for your life, and maybe that is being represented in a, in a person, in an individual, in a colleague, in a friend, or in a family, family member, you, you can spar with them, and you should. You should be able to say, no, that's not right. But in a sweet spirit, you should be able to say, it's not right because of this fact, but it's also not right because of this beautiful thing that I'm in possession of. This beautiful thing that God has created. This beautiful dream that him and I are partnering with. So you've got to be able to show somebody something beautiful in your life. You've got to be able to show them your dream and the facets of your dream. That terrifies the devil is when you're able to articulate your dream. When you can see it, when you have vision for it. When you say, yeah, this is God's will. This is, this is good stuff. Terrifies it. Terrifies the enemy. And I've seen this too. I've seen, I've seen people get into apologetic debates about the the authenticity of the bible or the goodness of god or problem of, e- of evil and all this kind of stuff. I've seen people get in debates with mean nasty ugly christians who want to fight and then christians that are captive by their dream and their purpose in life. And they can they can spar, but then they all they they can also shed light on something and And there's a hope there. Like the antagonist can't deny the hope. The antagonist can't deny the beauty that they see. It's sublime. Well, I don't know if I did a good job describing that, but... it's just certain things you just can't deny. All right. Number four is the life based on the dream. Always remembers to forgive. Now, if you think about Joseph's life, he had—he's given the dream seven years later. Nothing really manifests out of this, right? He could have easily said, "This was a bad dream. Like I, I had—I had some bratwurst the night before, and this is just a bad dream." Seven years of this, and. I'm just whatever. That was a. That was just me. Now, you know, it's not until he he sees all the pieces getting put back together. Not until he actually has his brothers standing in front of him. They have no idea who he is. It's not until then does he see the dream start to come true. They they, they bow, at least seven years later. They begin to bow down and they worship him. There, there is the revelation of the dream coming true. Now he understands what it means. Before, he had no idea that what it meant. It was just all ethereal and just all images and, and subjective, and now he's, now it's, it's, it's coming to pass. It's, it's tangible. It's real. The dream has become reality that they're bowing before him, and what, how, how, how do you forgive? Okay, his brother's stabbed him in the back, sold him into slavery, wanted to kill him, and he chooses. There's the point that I want to make. He chooses to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling, and once he chooses to forgive, and I actually think that the forgiveness process was the whole seven years. It was the choice. He had to verbalize the choice again when, he's, when, he, when, when they're in his presence and he chooses to forgive and it's not until then do the emotions of forgiveness follow and then and they're, you know, they're crying and hugging and all that kind of stuff, right? You choose. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. It's a choice. Love is the same thing. You have to choose to love. Your, and your emotions and your feelings will follow. All right. Last point life based on a dream always finishes the job this is going to be the hardest point this will probably be another message but it finishes the job it doesn't it doesn't give up it doesn't give up again for my limited time in ministry i have seen a lot of people give up they have given up on a dream they just quit There is no Bible story, where there's no there's no story at all, where someone is called to a dream and it's easy sailing. If you find one, let me know. But I guarantee it's not in there. It's not in there. The Bible is full of promises, tons of them, but there's never one story and it says, I I, I'm going to give you this dream and it's going to be super easy. It's just going to go. It's going to be smooth. Now, this is what I've observed. This has been my experience. Is people, they, they, they step into a dream. They, they step across. They take that leap of faith. Like, I, I, I feel like this is what God wants me to do. I'm going to go for it. I'm going I'm to jump in. And it's hard. It's hard. And what do they do? They, there's a lot of things that we do. There's a lot of ways that, that we self-sabotage our dreams. We say, eh, I I had some bratwurst the night before. That's not, that wasn't a dream from God. I just tricked myself or something. Or we say, it's God's will that I I leave or that that I, you know, I end this relationship. It's God's will that you know, I quit this job. It's God's will that I don't pursue this, this relationship anymore. And uh, have you seen people do this? And, and, and they're miserable? And, or they're isolated? Or they're further from God than they were before? Okay, think about Abraham. Abraham... Gets the, one of the biggest dreams on the planet, if not the biggest dream. His dream, God, his God-given dream was that he was going to be the father uh, of the nations, that his descendants were going to number the stars, the sand, you know, the sand, the granule of sands on the beach. Abraham lived in the most successful, prosperous city in the world at the time. He lived in Ur. They had a rule of law that we still use today. They had a, they had a sense of peace and prosperity. And arguably, Ur might have been even more powerful than Egypt at the time. And God speaks to him. God gives him a dream. And that dream includes him leaving his comfortable environment and stepping out in faith. And it's difficult. How do you know you're hearing from God? How do you know you need to take that leap of faith? How do you know you need to, you need to, you need to, you need to walk into an environment that's, that's hostile to you? How do you know you made the right decision? Well, what we know from Abraham and all the other heroes of the Bible, including Daniel and, uh, and Joseph, is that when Abraham leaves his comfortable environment into a hostile environment where he's, you know, he's got nothing. His affections, his relationship, his ability to hear God actually increases. He gets closer to God. Now, I have uh, stepped out, I have stepped out in faith before, and, well, it, it, it wasn't God's dream. It was my dream, okay? And I have stepped out in faith before. And, like, it, my affections growing, growing closer to God, not happening. If anything, I am more disillusioned with God. I'm like, why did, God, why did you do this to me? Why did you put me in this circumstance? And You know what happens when you say stuff like that? And he says, well, I, I had nothing to do with that. That was your idea. See, you you can, if you're like Abraham, where you accept the dream, you step out in faith, you're in a hostile environment, no matter what your circumstances are, you're okay. Because you're with God. Because your faith is in the Lord. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though we are outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. You see that? For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that, for, that far outwe- outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen. for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal and I, I think that's the, that's, the, that's the point of the whole thing this whole this whole idea of of, of how do you know you're hearing from God's voice do, do you have this are you are you Are you more obsessed with the things that you can see, the things that you can feel, your material environment? Is that where you're trying to attempt to to find your peace? Or is it the things that are unseen, the things that are eternal and not temporal, the things that, that, the things of God that bring you comfort? So, Wherever you're at, you have to ask yourself, am I about to give up on something that God wants me to do? Am I about to make an excuse about something that God wants me to to continue to press forward, to continue to, to strive for, to not give up on? Maybe it's, a, it's your marriage. You're just done. And you want to you give up and quit. You know, success, all successful people, they stuck it out. They didn't give up. Abraham Lincoln, gosh, I did the movie's out, that's why I'm thinking about it. But he only won two elections. <laughs> He lost, like, I think it was 27 elections. (laughs) But it was only those two that mattered. He changed the world. They made a big movie about him. And sometimes we get so close to success or seeing our our dreams fulfilled, and, and we just freak out and quit. We just freak out and quit. And it's in sight. Everybody fails. Everybody fails. Everybody fails. It's just, it's inevitable. Yeah, you know, there's that, that old saying you know, when the, the going gets tough, the tough get going. I, um, the faithful stick. Usually the tough, they, they, they get going and they go find something else. Um, that's the way we do things. We're like, ah, this isn't working out. I'm going to keep my options open, and I'm going to do something else. I'm not going I'm, I'm to pursue that relationship. I want to keep all my options open. Man, you end up at the end of your life, and you've got, you got nothing. you got nothing. All right, if I could have the band and the ushers to come to the front. As they're on their way up, One more scripture. Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. We are pressured on every side. Pressured. But not crushed. We are perplexed. We have no idea what's going on. But we're not, we're not in despair. We're not, we're not going to fret about this. We're not going to lose sleep over it. We're persecuted. Like There's people that are after us. Your boss is after you. Or you're, never mind. you got people that are after you. But you're not abandoned. You're not alone. You're struck down. And, and then the Greek on this is like, it's a Greek boxing match. Somebody punched you in the face <coughs> and knocked you down, but, but you're not knocked out. You're just laying on the floor bleeding. Just, just get up, okay? You're not knocked out. You're not knocked out. One of our key scriptures, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope, plans to give you a future. It's God's dream for you. He's dream for you. I want to encourage you. Make his dream for your life, your dream. And get creative about it. Get creative about what God wants for you. Always remember that, that he owns the dream, and he's, he's, he's letting you, you know, hop on board with this thing. Always remember that. But dream big. It's okay to dream big. The next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, getting this ethereal thing and putting some goals on it, getting some wheels on it, getting some traction. I might talk about I might talk about more about disciplines next week, or um, <coughs> getting unstuck. <coughs> is anybody stuck in a rut? What do you want to do? Discipline or stuck? <coughs> All right, we'll do discipline. That's what we'll talk about next week. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day, and I, I pray for everyone here who is who's struggling with with direction in their life, they're struggling with uh, hearing your voice, knowing what is right or knowing what is wrong. And I pray that, that a spirit of discernment will fall on them and that they will see that there there's certain things that we all gotta do. That God is more willing to do his part, but we gotta do our part too. And I just pray that you, we will have the courage to tap into that truth, to tap into the spiritual disciplines, to tap into the character that we need God, to tap into the longevity for the long haul, God. I pray that you just keep us focused on your word, keep us focused on your dream and your vision for our life. And God, right now, I just pray that, that those dreams will become clear for everybody. And for those that uh, have abandoned their dream, God, I, I, wanna, I pray that they would be encouraged to revisit that dream and do some hard looking at it. Why didn't it come to pass? Was it because I I was lacking in one of these areas? Was it because I let the enemy destroy it? Was it because I compromised on something? Why didn't this come to pass? And I pray that you give us all the courage to take a a deep look at at why. And I pray that you would forgive us all for saying, God, you you let me down. Forgive us all for saying that one. I pray that you bless this offering, God. God, as we sow back into your kingdom, God, may we see, may we physically see what happens. God, a lot of what is given is unseen, and we, we know it makes a huge impact. But God, right now, we just pray for, for a dream fulfilled in the giving of the offering. I pray this in your name.